0: how I learned how to give feedback and receive feedback and take feedback into account and learn how to sift through it.
1: Welcome to the Index Podcast, where we chat with professionals about tactics for continuous learning and professional growth. Our guest today is Molly Smith. Molly recently graduated from the Daniels College of Business. Today, she is a copywriter for The Motley Fool She hosts her own podcast, Did That Age Well, and she is an active reader. Molly and I met while studying at Gonzaga University. We were both student ambassadors for the
0: Office of Admissions, which meant we gave weekly campus tours with prospective students and their families. Welcome to the show, Molly. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for reaching out to me. It's good to chat and catch up with you and excited to dive in a little bit more to index and chat about learning.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So I think that could
0: be a good way to start the conversation,
1: um, for our listeners here and to understand who you are a little bit more. So tell us about yourself, Molly.
0: Yeah, sure. So I am a writer and I live in Denver and I love to be creative. I love creating content and, um, I love to create content through different mediums and trying different things. Like you mentioned, I have a podcast, um, but I also professionally, my focus is on content marketing and I, um, and I love to travel. I love to read. I love to see live music and, um, and overall, I just love exploring new topics exploring new things I guess that's a little bit about me
1: I love it I love it so I know Molly we recently reconnected since we're both in Denver but nobody saw each other in person for what feels like two years during the pandemic Um, but I'm curious let's start a little bit further when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer or when did you realize that you had this creative side to you
0: You know, I've always enjoyed reading and I've always enjoyed writing and I've always enjoyed making up stories. I think even since I was a little kid, I remember when I was in third grade, I was on my family computer making, um, making a magazine, like a fake little magazine called Molly's Magazine, where I had like little features about fashion and about culture and I would make up these stories. And so I've kind of always, I think, had that creative drive in me, but it really wasn't until I think high school or college that I started to realize that writing was something that I could do professionally and something that I could pursue in a different way than maybe just, you know, being a, um, being a novelist or writing poetry that there's a lot more to writing and there's a lot of um, different avenues that I could take.
1: Nice I love that Molly's magazine story I, know, That's right? sure.
0: <laughs> I want to see a picture made hopefully somebody took a picture of those early days. Oh my gosh yeah I'm gonna have to ask my parents if they have like maybe on some hard drive or like something saved from from 20 years ago yeah no I circle love
1: back that. <laughs> So Molly, I'm curious. So you've started to kind of find out more about other career paths when you were in high school. And then when you ended up at Gonzaga, how did you decide like what to major in
0: and what was your thought process there? Yeah, so when I started at Gonzaga, I had a number of ideas of what I thought I wanted to major in. I dipped my toes into psychology. I thought maybe I wanted to work in special education, I thought maybe I wanted to pursue English. I was kind of of on a journey of exploration. And then ultimately, I decided to major in English after taking a class my freshman year, my second semester in multimodal communication. So what that looked like was throughout the semester, we would explore different methods of writing and communication. So writing, not just being like text on a page that you read left to right, but also using audio formats and using um, using visual formats. And it was a really, I think, similar to what I was saying before, I think it was an opportunity where I could see that writing and creativity and creation is more than just like words on a page. So that's what prompted me to major in English and also just because ultimately I really like reading and writing. And so, um, so I wanted to do something that I liked that I knew was fun. And the English faculty at Gonzaga were just incredible, so intelligent and really supportive people. And I wanted to, I wanted to learn from them. That was a big part of it too.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. And so what was your curriculum like? So you talk about that class that kind of changed that trajectory for you. What were some of the more advanced classes that uh, challenged you to become a better writer?
0: So most of my more advanced classes were uh, peer workshop style. So for instance, like my advanced fiction writing class was um, the type of class where all of the students would bring in their stories, they would bring in their assignments, and then we would workshop them as a group and we would offer each other feedback. And so that was, and that was a pretty common um, format, at least in my writing classes. And so that's really how I learned to edit and how I learned how to give feedback and receive feedback and take feedback into account and learn how to sift through it because not every suggestion or every comment is one that needs to be like directly applied, but to kind of learn how to be in conversation with, or like have a relationship to feedback in my writing was, um, was really valuable. And then also a part of the, the curriculum that I was studying was, um, a lot of crossover with women's and gender studies, which is what I pursued my minor in. And so, Um, so the curriculum focused a lot, I think in English classes and in some of our cross-listed classes, as well as, you know, like just the women's studies classes, there was a lot of focus on, um, critical theory, like critical race theory, feminist theory, learning about anti-oppression and looking at things, looking at pieces of work through different lenses. And I think that was really like one of the most formative parts of my education at that time.
1: That's super neat. Yeah. It's a good point on the feedback that you receive it and you kind of digest it and you reflect on what need what should I incorporate and what I, what I should omit for now. And that's really cool that you were focused in on the woman and gender studies and how that had such a critical um, inflection point for you and your learnings. And so That sounds awesome for your Gonzaga journey. I'm curious. So then you're a senior in in college. It's 2016. What's your thought process for landing your first job um, right off the bat?
0: Well, when I graduated from college, I was still pretty uncertain what I wanted to do. And so I committed that summer to talking to as many people as I could who were doing things that I thought I might want to do. So I was really drawn to the nonprofit sector and spoke with a lot of people who were working in that field and um, learned about what they did and kind of got a peek into that world. And also talked with people from um, more traditional journalism backgrounds, people who were working for newspapers and news outlets. And ultimately, I think like from those conversations, I was able to get an idea of what I wanted to do at that time, which was nonprofit work. And even though I've pivoted since then um, out of nonprofit work, I think that having just like reaching out to people, um, I mean, I guess you could call it networking, like building a network, but really more like just reaching out to people and asking like, what do you actually do (laughs) when you go to work? You sit down at your desk. What is the day to day like? What does a journalist actually do when she sits down to, like, it, like opens her computer? What does she do? <laughs> and so that's that's kind of how I got an idea of what what a career path could look like and what other people were doing. Just learning from their experiences.
1: I love it. And then I know you spent some time at Junior Achievement, so it sounds like you talked to some folks. What Made you want to land there um, soon after?
0: I I had such an awesome time working at Junior Achievement, and what really attracted me to that organization and to that job was it was um, it really fit what I was looking for as far as bringing together my interest in communications, in digital marketing, and in writing, and then also in um, working for a mission oriented organization that was, um, really pretty well known in the nonprofit space. And so, um, and I knew that I would gain exposure to a lot of other businesses since the organization is largely funded by corporate partners. So I did get to interface with a lot of people from outside of the organization who were working with some of our corporate sponsors, which was cool. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I guess I I decided to work there because uh, a friend had recommended it to me. I had a friend who was working as an executive assistant there, and she was like, "Junior Achievement's an awesome place to work, and we have this position that seems like it would be a good fit for you." And when I when I interviewed with um, the the guy who would be my boss, he was just like, we just really clicked and. I think, um, we worked really well together and I knew from the beginning that we would work really well together. So that was kind of another thing that solidified it. Like, okay, this is a place where I want to be.
1: Gotcha. That I love that story. And so why, or what was the catalyst for you to think about returning to graduate school and ultimately pursuing that?
0: Yeah. So I think that once I gained more exposure into the digital marketing world and learned how, um, you know, how to connect with audiences and how to spur them into action, I really, I think that like, I found that I was really loving the work that I was doing more than loving, like working for a nonprofit. And I don't mean to say that like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't aligned with the mission anymore. It was just like, oh, I could be doing this and I could be, um, I could be happy and I could be getting paid more frankly. So, um, and I, and I knew that I also had a lot to learn about the business world, um, coming from a liberal arts education, really focused on, um, creative writing and, um, like critical theory, and then being in the nonprofit space, knowing that I wanted to get into, um, the private sector, it was kind of like, okay, what is marketing and what does writing look like in this greater context? Like how does it function? And so, um, I had kind of been like mulling that over thinking about going back to school. Um, and I love school and I've kind of like, even after I graduated undergrad, I, Decided to take the GRE because I was like, you know, I'll probably go to grad school. That's probably something I'll do. So, um, the pandemic hit, and unfortunately, um, you know, because I was working for a finance education nonprofit, um, a lot of our work was in schools. Really, nearly all of our work was in schools, and schools were shut down. And um, the the organization was put in a position where we had to furlough a bunch of people me being one of them. And I was kind of like, okay, well, I've been waiting for the moment that's right to go back to school. And I guess this is the moment. So that's, yeah. So that's what I decided to do. I love it. A mix of,
1: you always knew you were going to go back because you took the GRE early on and -hmm. then realizing that there was this global pandemic. So no better time than then. So I'm that's, That's good that you had already done all the steps to, I guess, the GRE is a big step in the graduate application process. So that's good. I'm curious now. So, you recently graduated um, mm-hmm. from business, from the Daniels College of Business. I'm curious, what has that transition been like now um, in your new role?
0: Yeah. So I graduated in June and I actually, I start my new job tomorrow, starting my job with The Motley Fool. I'm so excited. Um, And in the meantime, what that has been looking like for me, I guess, you know, kind of what my life and career has been looking like is um, a lot of freelance work and um, a lot of you know, talking and connecting with people, kind of doing a similar thing like I did um, when I graduated from undergrad, but just with a stronger sense of direction and talking to people more, not so much about like, what is it that you actually do, but what is it working? What is it like working at your company and finding the companies that I really liked and places where I wanted to apply? Um, And so it was, yeah, a lot of networking a lot of interviewing applications, writing assignments, you know, um, all of the, all of the labor that goes into applying for jobs. Um, And then in the meantime, just to, to keep my creativity going, to keep writing, to continue building my portfolio, did um, some freelance work for an agency. Um, Yeah.
1: That's awesome. And how does
0: writing for, uh, for an
1: agency as a freelancer work,
0: so it varies from agency to agency. But generally, um, freelancers like a freelance copywriter is there to support the folks who are working at the agency and delivering um, delivering content that their clients can use. So for me, what that looked like was um, I would be assigned to a client project and I would deliver the copy to the team at the agency. They'd give me feedback. The company, like their client would give me feedback and then I would edit it. Sometimes, you know, it depends on the agency and their size. Sometimes there's a lot of feedback that, and it goes through a lot of different people and a lot of different channels for some agencies, you know, especially if they have like a really tight relationship with their copywriter, they can pretty much just like give them an assignment and then, and then like deliver it straight to their client and say like, here you go. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting type of work model that I think works really well for a lot of people is something that I'm really grateful that I had in the interim. And is something that, you know, I had some experience with before, but, um, But for me, having the stability of being with one company and, um, and also, you know, I think I really lean more toward in-house marketing rather than agency work. I like to have my focus on one, just like one client essentially. Um, and that's, yeah, so it's just a better fit for me moving into something more full time and stable, but freelancing is cool.
1: Yeah. I was actually curious about that because I was wondering as a copywriter, as a writer for an agency, I'm sure you're getting clients across different industries. So Mm -hmm. how do you become well versed in to speak or write in their terms of the agency? Because, um, one acronym may stand for something in one industry versus the other. So I was curious how you approach that.
0: Oh, totally. Uh, So I think, especially when working with a client, for me, I really like to dive into their existing marketing materials and kind of get a feel for the tone of the writing that they already have and to also look at the content to see like, is there information that I can access to better understand this industry or this field or what this company does? Um, So going straight to the source and looking at the existing materials that are there, I think is a good first step for me. But then also I, especially as a freelancer, I've learned that it's really just better to ask questions than to try and guess, especially when it comes to the acronym game. Like instead of trying to just guess what it could stand for, (laughs) it's just easier to say like, hey, everyone, I know that you're kind of in your routine. You've been working with this client for 10 years, but I don't know what this acronym is. What are you talking about? And then Cause oftentimes it's not that people want to leave you in the dark, but you know, if you've been working with a client for a long time, you get used to, um, kind of speaking their language. You might forget when a new person comes in that, that isn't just like second nature.
1: Yeah, totally. I know that's happened to me when I was doing engineering work, the acronyms there didn't Mm -hmm. exactly correlate into the consulting or IT world. So I definitely Mm -hmm. understand that. And like you said, it's sometimes easier to just raise your hand and ask like, Hey, what does this mean in in this marketing world or in this technology world? I I think it helps, helps a lot. So now, now looking forward a bit, Molly, there's you're going on this new pathway. I don't know if you have any, um, or if you'll ever go back for a PhD or if that's one of your ambitions, but, um, let's assume, and maybe you can answer that, but let's assume that that's not the case. And yeah. you are looking at a career of from now forward, you will be in the professional yeah. world for the rest of your life, right? That's the plan. So how do you, how do you continue to learn? Uh, because up to now we've helped, we've had a built-in curator in our life, whether that's, Professors in university or professors in graduate school, and you have that built in community of people in your major or people, your classmates, and then now in the professional life, there's no curation for you to like, how do you decide what to listen next or how do you continue to stay up to date in your industry um, and there's kind of a lack of community if you're, um, especially in this remote world where you can't have those conversations in per- in person. So I'm curious, how do you continue to stay up to date in your field um, as five years pass, 10 years pass for the rest of your career?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, I imagine that it will probably continue to evolve and look different and my different sources of information or sources of um, like a growth community will change. But at this point in my life, I think that having um, having an alumni network, both with Gonzaga and with Daniels. Um, it, it kind of just, there's automatically ice broken in between two people in my experience, like when, when you've had a similar education experience. Um, and so like, you know, I think that reaching out to people who have done similar programs as me is, uh, is a way that I want to continue learning that I have been and want to continue learning because it, you can almost just be like, Hey, so we got this, we had this similar education experience. Like, how are you actually applying it? Or, you know, you can kind of like connect with people who are working in the same field and have that, um, have that almost like built-in community. Um, and I know that's not the case for, um, for everyone, especially, I mean, especially folks who, um, who might not have like the traditional education experience that I've had, but um, but I think that for me, staying up to date with industry trends in involves um, involves reading, listening to podcasts, uh, talking with my colleagues, staying up to date on current events, um, especially especially in tech. Like I think tech is so embedded in all fields and in everything that we do in our personal and professional lives. So, um, so just like staying up to date with current events and tech is big for me. Um, and I think like, it's just for me, like, it's just about not being afraid to ask other people for help or ask people about what they do. And I have to be careful too, to not like put, put a burden on other people to like teach me, to teach me everything. Um, But to, but to try and have a sense of like shared learning. Cause I know that there are some things that I have to offer that other people might not. And there's a lot that I don't know. And there's a lot that like I don't do that. I rely on other people for too. So I kind of gave a, that was sort of a vague answer, kind of like a little bit more meta than <laughs> direct. But um, yeah, I like talking to my friends. Is is how I'm going to sum that up?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a, we're social creatures, and it's always more fun to get a recommendation from a friend or yeah. a colleague to to really understand, like, okay, this is what's going on, or this podcast is really impactful. You should listen to it, Molly. Um, Mm -hmm. which brings me to my next question. So today, like, how do you allocate your time? How do you like learn on a more tactical basis or how do you approach learning all up?
0: So, um, right now I've been, I've been doing some of my learning through, um, through reading, some through podcasting. I've been listening a lot lately to the uh, Pivot podcast um, and also the Slate Money podcast because I'm trying to get up to speed on um, more of the financial world since that's what I'm gonna be going into. And it's a field that I don't have a ton of experience in. So those have been kind of like my my main two that I've really been plugging into. Um, And I'm the type of person who like, when I listen to podcasts, I, I probably listen to like two hours of podcasts throughout the day, every day. And I'm sure that'll change once I have a full-time job, but I, I like to just throw in my AirPods when I'm doing stuff around my house or like when I'm driving or when there's just kind of like that downtime or even the time that I would spend otherwise like watching TV, I'll like throw in my AirPods and um, and like work on a puzzle while I'm listening to a podcast. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I've been allocating that time. I love it. You
1: are intentional about making it a part of your life and a habit, which Makes it easier to to like plug in a podcast when you're mm-hmm. multitasking, whether that's cooking or a puzzle or whatever. Yeah. that might be. I have a similar a similar habit, so it's awesome yeah. to hear. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, I'm curious. You said you're an avid reader. What are some of your like favorite Molly recommendation that you have the stamp of approval on?
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. What do I have the stamp of approval on? Well, recently. Um, I read, for any writers out there, I would definitely recommend reading Dreyer's English. That's D-R-E-Y-E-R. It's this book about, especially if you love copy editing, it's a book that is sort of like an entertaining handbook. Um, It's a guide to style, but it's funny, it's fun, it's entertaining, and I think has the experience of reading it has made me a better writer. Um, so that would be, that would be one I would recommend probably to every writer.
1: Awesome. I love it. Molly. Yeah. So I know we're coming at the end of time here, but I want to just leave the floor open for any of the listeners. Like how can they get in touch with you or how can they follow or, um, how can, how can they stay in touch?
0: Yeah, so you can follow me on social at Molly Bird Smith. Uh that's on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and pretty much across platforms. Um and then you can also check out my podcast Did That Age Well on any podcast platform um whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the main ones and you can follow the podcast on social um is just at did that age well. And if you want to reach out to me, you can just um send me a DM on social media. That's probably probably the best way to get in touch with me.
1: Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate your your thoughts and guidance on everything writing, learning, just your journey and for your career. So thank you.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.